we're going to talk about the effects of love on ourselves. And um, I think we're going to read the text first, and then I'm going to say a, a few other things after that. So if you have a Bible, follow along. If not, um, we have the text on the wall. Uh, so by this we shall know, actually, I, I, was th I was just thinking before coming up that I should maybe start with the previous verse. I should have put that there as well. So I'm starting at verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and you reassure our heart before him, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. By this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. So in this passage I see uh, three aspects of our lives that are affected by the way we love others. I'll name them and then we'll go through each of them um, one by one. So first of all, the first effect, let's call it, the first effect is assurance. The second, or the second area of life is our prayer life, and the third is our obedience towards God. So let's look at each one briefly. Assurance. Now, one of the reasons why John is writing this letter to Christians is to encourage them. To teach them, yes, but through the teaching to encourage them. Encourage them in what? He wants to make people assured that they are saved, and they, they are on the right standing with Christ. For example, in 1 John 5, this is in a few weeks from now, he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of son, the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I have written this to you so that you know that in Christ you have eternal life. And as I was writing the sermon, I was thinking, you know, people, situations, family, sometimes even people in the church, all things can fail in some way or form. But isn't this the one true thing that keeps us going? The fact that Christ, or in Christ, we have eternal life, that we are his, he is ours, and nothing, literally nothing can take that away from us. Like it says in John 10, 28, nothing can pluck us out of Jesus' hand. Nothing can take you away from there. He's always true, he's always present. He keeps us, he never lets us go, right? We actually sang that 
So John is writing this to, uh, to people to encourage them. So it's very clear that the assurance of eternal life is very, is very important to him. Hence, it should be very important to us. When you expect somebody to encourage you in your faith, in your walk, in your daily life, what do you expect them to say? I mean, yeah, if, if, if they say, yeah, you're doing a great job or, I don't know, it's good, but that can last as long. But if they tell you, whatever comes in this life, probably hardship will come, but whatever comes, be assured that in Christ you are, you have eternal life. And so why is, I was thinking, why is eternal life and this assurance so important for John? And why is it so important for us to be assured that we are eternally Jesus's? Why is that important? Well, it's important because last time I said uh, in uh, verse 16, John is writing to people and says, we need to lay down our lives for the brothers. We need to make, the love we have for people should be of such extent or of such quality, let's say, that it should involve sacrifice. Because when the Bible says imitate Christ in loving others, it means this. That's what John said. We should imitate Christ in loving others, namely to the extreme. If it requires our lives, we should give it. Now, that's the reason why assurance is important. Because when, you are, when you're about to perform that sacrificial love for people, what do you lean against? Where do you stand? You stand on the fact that you are eternally, you belong eternally to Christ. On nothing else. There's nothing else that can hold up, hold you up in that sacrifice. Right? When Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. There's nothing else that makes you, there's no foundation strong enough to hold that other than the assurance that you belong eternally to Christ. That's it. There's nothing else. So, in today's passage, he says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. He says, by this. What is by this? By this is the love from verse 18. That's why I begin reading with verse 18. Love in deed and in truth, not in word and something else. That love, indeed and in truth, is the love that assures us that we are his. The love we have for the brothers is, um, the, the love that we have for the brothers is the love that stands and reassures us as Christians that we are Christ's. And so, the first effect of the love, or the, fact, the first effect on myself for, of the love that I have for others is the assurance that I am, or I belong to Jesus, and that I am a child of God, because the distinction keeps on going. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Christian was making a distinction between children of the devil and children of God. That's, um, that goes throughout the chapter, and we have it here as well, because the way you love people the 
so the um, examples you imitate or the yeah the examples you imitate in Christ are will prove that you are a child of God also i have don't have the verse on the slide but in um second corinthians 13 paul says at one point test yourself to see whether you are in the faith how do you do that how do you how do you test yourself well, the way you test yourself, one of the ways you can test yourself is this. Are you loving people the way Jesus loved them? And then he talks about the conscience. Does, does your conscience support you or reassure you? Or is it accusing you? That's the test, right? Whether we are imitating Christ in loving people or not. And again, this is not about emotions, right? You don't wake up one morning and you're in a bad mood and at the end of the day, you will be able to say about yourself, well, I, th I, I, don't, feel like, I don't feel like I loved people very well today. It's not about emotions. It's about what you, in the back of your mind, in our conscience, what you feel that you have done not one day or another but continuously what do you see in yourself is it a process of growing and loving people like Christ or is it is it not so the first way in which um, my love for others affects me is the assurance it provides that I am a child of God second prayer life. So the, um, how does my loving other people affect my prayer life? Look at verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Let's look at the parts of this verse. First, whatever we ask. Um, the a person or a Christian that walks in the kind of love that John talks about um, will experience a different kind of prayer life. And more than that, will experience, oddly enough, answered prayers. Right? That's what it says. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. So the kind of person that walks in the kind of... The person that walks in the kind of love that Jesus and John here talks about will experience a, a different kind of prayer life, and more than that, will experience answered prayers. This feels like, I, when I was writing it, I, I felt uncomfortable because it feels like somebody is giving you three steps to have every kind of answered, uh, to have any kind of prayer answered. But that's not what this is. It's not a recipe to have any kind of prayer answered. Right? We have to be very careful. That's not what I'm saying. So, the love that I have for people and for Christ and my obedience to his commandments, let me go back here, and my obedience to his commandments don't earn my, uh, don't earn me answered prayers. But what the key is, is my deep fellowship with God. 
It's almost like John is trying to say, I don't have the slide with it. I, it's almost like John is trying to say what Jesus said in John 15. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. But the first part says, if my words, uh, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, which means you're a different person, you're a changed person. The words and the life in us is not ours, it's Jesus leaving it. So when he says, whatever you desire, our desires are not our previous desires, but they are Jesus' desires, God's desires which in turn means that when you pray, the things you pray are the things that God and Jesus would pray. And God will answer his own desires and prayers. Second part of the verse, because we keep his commandments. Of course, keeping God's commandments is, a, is an important aspect of a Christian life. But we should make a distinction between the prayers of a desperate sinner who comes to God and the uh, cry of a heart that seeks for mercy. They're two separate things, right? They're, imagine a, a person who's not born again, who doesn't belong to Christ. The way they come to, to Jesus when they recognize their own sin their prayer life when they talk to Jesus the first time is totally different than when we sit there in, in church and we ask, Lord, please help me love my brothers more. I feel I don't love them enough or I don't feel like I'm loving them the way you are. That's a different kind of prayer. So the key to prayer is being in such close fellowship to God that we ask for the things that He will desire or the things that are on his heart the things that Jesus desired the things that the Holy Spirit desires and a final observation the spirit of true prayer is not is not my will be done but the spirit of true prayer is thy will be done which means I'm calling into action, let's say, God's desires, not my desires. Even though they might benefit me if they are answered. Do what pleases him. The person who is in fellowship with God will want the things that God wants whether in relationships, whether personally, whether for the church. You, it's, it's, maybe it's too easy to talk about it so much, but it's, it's an important aspect of the Christian life. If you don't desire the things that God desires or if you don't long for the things, for things to be the way God would want them to be, it's hard to live a Christian life, a true Christian life. And again, it would be very, very hard for you or for us to love people, right? Because when they asked Jesus, so what is the greatest commandment? 
love God. And the second, love your neighbor. They are, they work together. They are dependent on one another. So we should have hearts that just want to please God. It's so easy to say that, but it's so, it's an entire world. It's an entire concept in that sentence. We should long to please God. Even more in our prayer life, right? And I don't know if you ever did this exercise. I don't do it rarely enough, but I did it this week as I prepared the sermon. Um, it's quite sobering to see how much you spend time in pleasing yourself and not pleasing the Lord in small things, right? So, the godly life will have a special focus on just pleasing God in whatever areas of life, even if it doesn't particularly affect us in the best way. Right? When Jesus says, deny yourself, as we were saying last week, the denial of the self is not an easy exercise. The carrying of the cross is not an easy exercise. Following Jesus while you're constantly denying yourself and carrying your cross is not an easy life. So our love for others, to conclude this part, so our love for others refocuses our prayer life towards what God wants for the benefit of other people. I'll say it again. Our love for other people refocuses our prayer life towards what God wants for the benefit of other people. Part three, or point three, obedience. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Christ Jesus, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. As I did before, let's look at some of the parts in the, in the passage. So this is his commandment, right? It says there in verse 23, and this is his commandment. Um, so, John just talked about uh, the commandments, and now he's trying to be specific to kind of point out what those commandments are. And those commandments are that we should believe in the name of Jesus and love one another. Believe and love. And the way he talks about these is not to separate them, faith and love, but in a sense to have them in one. Trusting Christ and loving one another, in a sense, are one commandment. They are so intertwined, they are so, so much flowing out of one another that you almost cannot separate them. Again, when Jesus spoke uh, of the greatest commandment, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he added another one saying, and the second is like it, like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are two commandments, they are, but they are clearly like one another. It is very clear for a born-again heart and for a born-again Christian 
that the second commandment flows out of the, second, the first one. If loving God is in place, loving others will flow out of it as a fruit. You cannot love God and not love people. Or you cannot love people the way Christ did without loving Christ. Right? So if you love Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind, you will love your neighbor. So obedience in the first, to, to talk about obedience because that was the point, obedience is the, in the first commandment will lead to obedience in the second commandment. You want to love people more? You have to love Christ more. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. John's, John almost seems to be pointing to this verse where Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent, whom he sent. The greatest work of a Christian is his faith, his trust in God. That's it. If you want to, you know, some, some people are all about deeds, you know, the, the work and all that. So if you want to work for God, here it is. Trust in his name. Trust him. And this is not simply, this is not just simple trust. Oh, Jesus exists, or belief, sorry, not trust. This is not simple belief. Oh, there's Jesus, he exists, he's real, he died, he indeed was resurrected. No, this is more than that. This is out in the wilderness, my car broke down and I cannot do anything. I need somebody to help me. Lord, send somebody. That kind of trust, and he will send somebody. It's that kind of a trust. I don't know, I just thought of the example. If it's bad, sorry. Um, Right? It, this, is, this is about trusting, relying, clinging, depending on Christ for everything. It's not an intellectual knowledge or understanding. It's about trusting him in the worst of times. By this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Now, those who abide in Jesus, those who follow Jesus, those who trust Jesus are doing so because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everything we said from the beginning up to this point about assurance, about prayer life, and here about obedience, they are all possible because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Otherwise, it's not. Literally, point by point. There's no assurance of eternal life if we don't have the Holy Spirit. There's no prayer life that honors and uh, copies Jesus' prayers and desires without the Holy Spirit. And there, are, there is no obedience without the Holy Spirit. And maybe one more point. I just thought of it. If there's no Holy Spirit in us, we do not obey because we do not want to obey. But when you have the Holy Spirit, nobody will push you. You will desire to obey. You will desire to have fellowship with God and people. Again, John seems to be pointing to, to all kinds of 
um, ideas in the Bible. For example, to, to this one in Romans 8:16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Or, I'm not sure if I have a verse for this. No, I don't. In Romans 8, 9, Paul says that anyone who belongs to Jesus has the spirit in himself. It's that the indwelling spirit gives us assurance as Christians. And one more point here. A simple reality, but I think extremely important. You cannot, um, how should I say it? You cannot be abiding in Christ. You cannot be his and not know it and feel it. When the Holy Spirit is there, there's that um, great joy, a joy, uh, like C.S. Lewis said it, a, a joy unspeakable. There's a joy that lasts, and there's a joy that cannot uh, be taken away whatever the horrible circumstances of your life uh, are bringing. Um, and finally, when the Spirit indwells us, we obey out of love. We want to obey, we want to love, we want to pray, and we are assured. So, uh, God has given us a basis for our assurance, and that is the way we love people. And so, loving others is our obedience, but an so loving others is our obedience, but an obedience out of love, not an obedience that is forced. So, just to conclude, how does my loving other people affect me? It assures me that I am indeed a child of God. Second, it affects my prayer life because I will ask God for the things that pleases Him, in this case, to love others more and more like Christ. And thirdly, is it... My love for others is a sign of my obedience. When I love others, I'm obeying Jesus. Uh, at, the, at, the, um, at the Bible study, we'll try to make a Bible study that combines both questions for children, given that it's going to be a, a birthday, and questions for, for the adults in order to play a bit with the context and this. Because children, just like us, understand what it means to love others, indeed, or love less, right? So I, I trust it will be um, an interesting time for all of us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we, we do want to love people more. We, don't want, we do want to love them like Jesus did and does. Sometimes we're stubborn or have hard hearts towards people because maybe they have done something wrong or maybe they have wronged us in some way or form and it's difficult to forgive or... 
But Lord, we want to love the brothers and the sisters in our family the way you love them, Lord. By denying ourselves, by carrying the cross, and following your example. And Lord, we, we recognize that our love for people affects us as well. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us and that shows us things that we would not normally see. That it shows us who you are and what you have done and helps us understand that and helps us imitate that and helps us show others what we saw and understood from you, Lord Jesus. I pray that our prayer life would be affected by our love for you, Lord Jesus, and for others. And I pray that we would pray more the things that you desire and the things that you would pray. And Lord, I also pray that you would help us be more obedient to your commandment of loving others. And help us not neglect the fact that everything we do as Christians is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us not forget that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have a benediction slide? Okay, let's stand. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.